Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning, wherever you're at. I know one thing that's been very encouraging for us here at Genesis is uh, every morning seeing uh, not only who's tuning in, but where they're tuning in from, that this morning we actually are a global church. It's a pretty beautiful thing. My name is Kyle. I serve as one of the pastors here. Uh, I'm excited. I'm also somewhat lamenting this morning. See, there used to be this place that people used to go to, and it was called the gym. And the gym is where people would go to to maybe exercise, right? You would you know, lift weights, you could run, you could bike, you could swim, you could do whatever it is that you wanted to do. And so I'm sure, like many of you, I really loved going to the gym. And now, uh, some of the things that I miss about the gym are kind of all the amenities that came with the gym. So like if I wanted to lift weights, I could lift weights on a weight machine. And the weight machine kind of has the pulleys and the bands that make the weights move a little smoother. If I wanted to do cardio, I would hit the elliptical. Kind of that gliding thing makes it nice and easy on your knees so you don't have that constant pounding. Uh, maybe most of all, I miss the smoothie bar because I'm a big proponent of health and nothing screams health like a double peanut butter chocolate fudge protein shake after a workout. But then, like all of us, the gym got stripped away. And I think looking back, I know what my mistake was. Uh, I assumed that the gym would be closed for like a week, maybe 10 days. And so when it first closed, I figured, I'm just going to give my body a week of rest. I'm going to take a little break, recover well, maybe do some stretching. And then when it opens back up in a week or so, then I'm just going to hit it really hard. And so working out stopped for me. But what started was perpetual quarantine snacking. I don't know if you've experienced this. Maybe right now you're sitting home still eating and you can say amen to this. But quarantine snacking, basically you wake up, you start to eat, and then all of a sudden it's 10.30 at night. You never really stopped eating and you go to bed. And so I stopped lifting weights except for the weight of my big old butt to go get some more Cheetos from the kitchen. About a week in, Netflix got super judgy and started asking, are you really still watching? And I kind of had this thought, okay, I really should start moving again. And so the next morning, I put on my sneakers, and I went out for a run outside. And let me rephrase that. I tried to move my feet faster than a walking pace, and my heart came dangerously close to blowing up. And so I'm just grinding through this thing. I make it back to the apartment. I figure, okay, well, at least I can rip out some push-ups. So, well, again, let me rephrase that. I pushed up against the crushing weight of gravity, and it felt like every muscle in my chest and arms was ripping off the bone. And as I laid there face down on the ground, dreaming about the double peanut butter chocolate fudge protein shake that I earned, I realized something. I'd been tricked by the gym. The gym had duped me, right? Because I'd been going there for so long and I've been, you know, lifting weights on the weight machine. And I've been doing cardio on the elliptical thinking I was exercising, thinking it was working me out. But reality was, it was only making working out easier. It wasn't making it so intense, and so I thought I was pretty strong. I thought I could run decently, but it wasn't until everything was stripped away that I actually had to run, like, on the road, had to do push-ups, like, without assistance, that maybe my health isn't quite what I thought it was. And so why do I tell you that? Well, I think right now the same thing is happening for many Christians in the church, because we'd all for so long been going to church and we were enjoying all the nice amenities of church. The programs, the cafe, the preaching, the music, it was all great. 
And we thought we were engaging in the mission of God. We thought we were helping all people walk with God. We thought we were helping make disciples because we were going to this place on Sunday. And then all of a sudden, the blink of an eye, it all went away. And we were left with our own Bibles, own prayers, own thoughts, own journal, own ability to worship, own ability to engage in mission. And there's this realization happening of, oh, maybe I'm not quite as mission-minded as I thought. And to be clear on what I mean by mission, maybe I'm not all that passionate about helping other people walk with God. And maybe I'm not all that concerned with making disciples, engaging in the mission that God has called all of us into. Like, let me just ask you this morning, without church on Sunday, how has that affected God's mission in your life? That is, how has it affected whether or not you are helping other people walk with God? Like right now, are you thriving? Are you just killing it? Or does it feel more like you're running uphill pulling your hamstrings? Right? Because this morning we were finishing up our series 5R in our discussion of the gap. And I'm thoroughly convinced that the gap that's created of who God is and how that actually plays out in our life if we want that gap to close, I think the thing we most need is to re-engage the mission. Re-engage, that's the final R of the series. That if we want the gap to close, all of us, we need to re-engage with the mission God has called all of us into. That is helping all people walk with God. Making disciples of Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing. I know that right now, this feels impossible. This feels like more of a, a waited out type of game. What are we supposed to do, right? Like, how are we supposed to actually re-engage with the mission? But I'm just convinced, even though circumstances have changed, mission has not. The call to make disciples to help all people walk with God, that's still going on. And just to be clear right up front, I'm in no way saying to disregard CDC recommendations, I'm not saying to subvert what the governor is trying to do, like promote health, be safe for you, be safe for us. I've just been very challenged by this thought that if we lose the church on Sunday morning and we end up losing the mission, well, were we ever really on mission to begin with? If you hear nothing else this morning, just hear this. The church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. And so whether or not we can gather together has zero influence on whether or not we can engage the mission. Right? Mission isn't something that we do. It's who we are. It, it just flows out of us. And so for the call for us to, to re-engage regardless of circumstance. And the reason I say that is because the early church, they didn't let circumstance discourage them. If there was something going on in the early church that you think would kind of rattle their cages, well, they would let the rattling happen, but then they would regroup, recalibrate, re-engage. If you have your Bible, open up to Acts chapter 5, because I want to show us just one example of this, but there are many. So the book of Acts is in the New Testament, and the book of Acts is kind of the history of what happened after Jesus. And so we pick up the story in verse 17 of Acts chapter 5. It says, 
But the high priest rose up and all who were with him. That is, the party of the Sadducees. And they were filled with jealousy. So now, just as a way of context, when we talk about living in mission, engaging in mission, this is 100% what the early church, what the early Christians were doing. Because in the book of Acts, right, it starts with Jesus. He comes out of the tomb. He rises from the dead. He gives them mission, right? Go spread the gospel. Go help all people walk with God. Jesus ascends back into heaven. Holy Spirit comes. They have power. They're doing wonders. They start preaching all over the city. Thousands of people are being saved. So not only are they engaged in mission, they're seeing the fruit of mission. And it's so much so that the religious leaders don't necessarily appreciate it. And so it says the high priest, who would have been a Pharisee, teams up with the Sadducees to wipe out the mission. Now that might not mean a ton to us, but just imagine this. Imagine if like the hardcore political left were to team up with Trump's voting base to wipe out some religious movement in the Midwest. That's unthinkable to us. Those, those two people, those two groups of people, they would never work together unless there's such a shared hatred for the religious movement. That's the equivalent of the Pharisees and the Sadducees teaming up. It says they're filled with jealousy. They want to stomp out the mission. So it says in verse 18, they arrested the apostles, that's the leaders of the early church, and put them in public prison. They put them in the public prison. As if to say to the crowds who are coming out to listen to the apostles preach, if you continue to buy into this garbage, this will be you. Right? The public prison, this is a humiliation tactic. This is to embarrass. This is to discourage. This is to get the apostles to rethink mission. Should we back out of this? Because right? if there's any reason to press pause, to wait for a new normal, uh, first century prison's probably it. Let's see if the apostles find themselves in prison. The story goes on in verse 19. It says, But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to preach. Let's just slow down for a second and really think about what we just read. Like, imagine this in your mind's eye. Sitting in prison, they're awaiting trial the next day. And they know that paired with trial is a brutal beatdown. And so as they sit in prison that night, what do you think they're thinking about? What are they discussing? Not, we don't know what they are thinking about. I know what I'd be thinking about, what you'd be thinking about. Should we bail on this thing? Is this worth it? Are we going to spend the rest of our life getting throttled by these dudes? Like, do I really want to live the rest of my life looking over my shoulder because they're trying to kill me? So they're sitting in this prison cell, and now again, imagine, don't blow by this, imagine. An angel of the Lord appears. What does that look like? Then he opens the door and leads them out of prison. And here's why I think that the apostles might have been rethinking mission. Because what's the first thing the angel says to them? He reorients them around the mission. He says, 
They want public? We'll give them public. Go to the temple, the most public place in Jerusalem, and speak the words of life. Speak the words of Christ, who is the author, the giver, the sustainer of life. You want mission? Go and speak the words of life. In short, they re-engaged the mission. They didn't have to. The doors are open. Go run, go hide if you want. Now they re-engaged the mission. They went public. And they spoke the words of life. Let me just ask you, in the last eight weeks, have you disengaged from the mission? Have you wandered off course from helping not even all people, maybe just even one person from walking with God? Have you helped one person see Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, trust Jesus? And I know what we're all thinking right now. Dude, how can we help anyone? I can't even leave my house. Like, what do you honestly expect that we do? Like, I know that's the question. I know that's the mentality. And in principle, I don't even really disagree with it. So let me just ask the question maybe this way. When life goes back to normal, what are you most excited for? Maybe to go see some family members that you haven't seen in a long time? Start hanging out with friends again? Regularly? Go to your favorite restaurant, grab a burger and a brew? Or is it I cannot wait to get back to the people in my life who need the words of life so I can preach the life. Like, is there just an angst in you that I just, I gotta get back out there. I gotta get back on mission. And I don't say that ass as like an ooh, gotcha type question. I ask it because I wonder as the apostles sat in prison, what do you think they were most excited for after their release? What do you think the apostles were waiting to do? Get back to their families? Get back to their friends? Get back to their food? Or get back to mission? Like when they were walking back up towards the temple, what's the mentality that they have? I think it has to be, Jesus is so good. He saved me. He saved me from my sin. He saved me from prison. And so if I got breath, I got mission. If I got a heartbeat, I'm going to preach the words of life. I think they're just chomping at the bit to re-engage in mission because the mission never stopped, even though their circumstances had changed. And the same is true for us. If we want to see that gap close, we've got to be a people who re-engage with the mission. Now, I don't want to stand up here this morning and pretend as if this has been me for the last eight weeks. I want to be completely sincere with you. I want to be honest. I have not been engaging with mission very well. I've not been very intentional with very many people, and I haven't been chomping at the bit to get back out and back into mission. Honestly, where I'm really at is I have been uh, seriously wrestling with and struggling with just feelings of purposelessness, like really struggling to find motivation to do anything. It kind of feels like for me, I'm kind of lost at sea, and I have no idea what direction the land is. And so even now, like in this moment, if you just want a real glimpse into my heart, I'm looking at a camera, and I'm struggling to think, is this effective? Like there's got to be more. I don't know who's watching. I don't know if they're paying attention. I don't know what they need to hear. 
I'm in a room right now with four people. Like, this is not what church is supposed to be. And so I'm not Mr. Mission-minded here. No, I'm struggling like, man, what are we doing here? Last week, though, I think God was very gracious to me to kind of slap me upside the head and remind me of something. I was speaking with a friend, and this friend was asking me, uh, how did I become a Christian? Like, what's that story in my life where I decided to follow Jesus? And as I told him this story, I had to chuckle to myself at how dense I can be. See, to the best of my knowledge, I became a Christian after watching tons of YouTube preaching. I'm going to say that again so we don't miss the irony of this moment. When I was 19, I sat in a dorm room. All my friends would go out and party. And I would sit there all night and watch YouTube preachers speak the words of life. And through YouTube preachers, God breathed life into my dead heart. I wasn't going to a church. I wasn't in a group. I wasn't being discipled by any person. I was sitting alone staring at a camera or a computer screen. That's how God worked in my life. So why in the world would I be the guy who struggles with purposelessness? I have literally firsthand experience of God using cameras to engage his mission. God using people through cameras to uh, talk about Christ and love Christ and proclaim Christ. That's my story. And I tell you that because I know the temptation right now is just to wait it out. I'll get back to church and then I'll re-engage mission. I'll wait till we can go back to normal until we can gather again. I'm just pleading with you though, you don't have to wait. I don't have to wait. Right? The call is to re-engage mission now because the mission hasn't stopped. And yes, right now, mission looks different. We have to be creative. We have to think outside the box. Or we have to almost rethink some of what we were doing. But it doesn't mean that we don't try. It doesn't mean that we don't strive for that. Because the call is for mission now. And if we just spend the next weeks, months doing nothing, man, we're going to get back to church in a few months. We're going to be so burnt out and we're going to be running on empty, just needing to be recharged. But if we would engage in mission right now, I just got this image in my head that when we come back, we're going to need a couple weeks just to swap stories of everything that we got to see God do because we were re-engaging with his mission. Like, we can do this. I know we can do this. We have some sharp people in this church we got some people who love Jesus in this church. We can re-engage the mission. Not only that, we have to re-engage the mission. Because here's the reality. In a time, unlike anything else, certainly I've ever experienced, I think probably you've ever experienced, every day across this country, thousands of people are dying. And statistically speaking, when they die, most do not have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. What that means is after their last breath here, they enter into eternity to spend it apart from Christ in hell. It's no coincidence that God has you here and now. 
that he has placed you here and now, and he has given you the words of life to go and speak life to the people who most desperately need life. That's the call. Go use your words to talk about Christ, to talk about forgiveness, to talk about grace, to talk about kindness, to talk about patience. Go get public and talk and speak the words of life because we're desperate for them. If you're tuning in and you're in the Boston, greater Boston area, man, I'm pretty sure there's not a better city to be a Christian in. Because you know this, around us, 98% of people don't believe what we believe. They don't think what they think. They don't know Jesus. And so if you're going to live in this city, you've got to be mission-minded. There's got to be something in you that because I love my neighbor, because I know God has me here, because it's not coincidental, no, I'm going to re-engage this mission. Because this city needs it. And if I'm going to call this city home, I'm going to love this city like home. Is that what we're most excited to get back to? Is it hard? Absolutely. Is it worth it? Definitely. I know for my wife and I, we just, we've been praying and we're just waiting for things to open up because we're excited to plant a church. Because why? God has spoken the words of life to us, not for us to keep. No, to go and tell to go out, to get public. The same invitation for us. Will we re-engage the mission? I want to conclude today with just uh, two things we can do to re-engage the mission because I would hate for this to be a 30,000-foot message with no handlebars. So what could you actually do in the coming days to re-engage? Well, let's just throw out a number. Let's say there's 40 days until we can gather again. Well, see, there's this moment in Acts, and about two chapters from now in chapter 6, the apostles are getting a ton of momentum, and so they take this moment to kind of regroup themselves and refocus. And it says in verse 4 that they dedicate themselves to two things. They re-engage the word, they re-engage prayer. What would it look like for you for the next 40 days to re-engage word and to re-engage prayer? Well, if you want to live mission, if you want to love mission, swim in mission. Read the Gospels. What if for the next 40 days you read all four Gospels? That's 10 days per Gospel. It's totally doable. And you just become saturated with Christ, who he was, and what he came to do. Right? Namely, search, seek out, save the lost. What if for the next 40 days you engaged in prayer in a new way? What if for just five minutes a day you prayed for one person you know who doesn't know Jesus? Five minutes, the same name for 40 days. You just kept bringing that name, Father, save them, Father, save them, Father, save them. I think if we did word, if we did prayer for the next 40 days, we would all get this, I can't wait. We got to get back. We got to get going. Because I've been reading about mission. I've been praying for mission. And now I want to go live mission. I want to go re-engage. Because I got the words of life and the world needs it. We all have gaps. The quickest way to close that gap, re-engage the mission God has called us all into. And we will have stories to tell. I'm going to pray for us and we'll continue.
Father, thank you that you are a mission-minded God. Thank you, Father, that we know that primarily because you sent your son Jesus on a mission to speak everlasting life to us. It was Jesus who said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Thank you, Jesus, that you sent us on mission. You gave us the Holy Spirit, and you said, go, tell the world. Tell the world of my love and my grace and my kindness and my forgiveness. And Jesus, thank you that you invite us into it. How gracious it is that you would use us to accomplish your work. So Lord, I pray for all of us right now who are watching this, whether live or whether in a few days. Lord, give us a passion to re-engage with the mission. Help us re-engage in your word. Saturate ourselves in the gospels. And just swim in the mission that Christ lived. Help us re-engage in prayer. Lord, bring to mind just one person who you want us praying for for the next 40 days. And Lord, give us a story to tell of what we got to see you do. Lord, despite the circumstances, we know the mission hasn't stopped. We know you're still moving forward and you're still inviting us into it. Forgive us if we've been slow. We know there's grace. But Holy Spirit, energize us. And Lord, pray right now for anyone out there who does not know you, Jesus, who has never decided to call you Lord. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd soften their heart and that you'd give them mission, you'd give them purpose. And right now, if they would just pray, Father, forgive me. I know Jesus is worth it. I realize I'm a sinner, but I know Jesus, through his blood, forgives me. If they could pray that simple prayer today, they could know they have a home with you in heaven, that you call them friend, and that you give them mission. So Lord, we love you, we thank you. We pray all in your name, Christ. Amen.